every year, television networks roll out new shows. And every year, most of those shows get canceled. But in television history, there is one cancellation that stands above them all. One show so costly, it nearly helped to bankrupt the network that was foolish enough to put it on the air. Well, that's the story, at least. One show that was such a DOA catastrophe, its name gets invoked every time a major show would flop from that point on. It has become the gold standard that other flops get measured against. My name is Dan Delgado, and in this episode, we're taking a look at the infamous TV series, Super Train. Welcome to the industry. Before we get into Super Train and its infamy, we need to talk about something else first. Fred Silverman. By the late 1970s, Fred Silverman was a bona fide television programming genius. His track record up until that time included taking CBS from worst to first in the early 1970s. He also gets a lot of credit for the rule purge CBS underwent at that time. Under his watch, shows like All in the Family, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Maud, and The Bob Newhart Show ruled the ratings. Then, just a few years later, Silverman took his talents over to ABC. And he did it again. He was able to program his way to a first-place finish for ABC in the mid to late 1970s, with shows like Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company, and Charlie's Angels. That left only NBC to conquer, and so in 1978, Silverman again switched networks, this time not to just become the programmer, but the president of the Peacock Network, which was in last place. And by last place, I mean it was really in last place. Out of the three networks, NBC was practically fourth. In the season before Silverman took over NBC, they had three shows in the top 20. Little House on the Prairie at number seven, the NBC Monday Night Movie, if you want to count that as a show, at 15, and Project UFO at 19. Super Train had already been commissioned before Silverman had arrived, but it wasn't due to hit TV screens until the next season of 1979-80. So what did NBC have it going for it for the 78-79 season? Well, let's take a look. NBC, our new series, Jack Albertson in Grandpa Goes to Washington. How much does he make? Watch out, Washington. Grandpa's on his way. Sword of Justice. This is Jack Cole. He was rich. He had everything. Until. Can you explain these checks totaling more than $2 million? Is that your signature? I believe it's mine. And you just signed them blindly? I never questioned my father's judgment. Bad news for criminals. Great news for viewers. The Waverly Wonders. Joe Namath stars in The Waverly Wonders as a new teacher coach whose principal problem is his principal. So I'm staying. I'll see you around, pinch face. And you be sure to come around and see Joe in The Waverly Wonders. Lifeline, a real-life drama. Dr. Judson Graves Randolph, surgeon-in-chief at Children's Hospital National Medical Center in Washington, D.C., is going to work. But unlike the rest of us, his skills and the decisions he makes will be a matter of life and death. This is Lifeline. The doctor and his patients are real. The events are all true. Lifeline, a true life and death drama. Each week, another doctor, another hospital, 
another life on the line. It's new, it's special. Dick Clark Live Wednesday. My new show is something special. It will present everyone you want to know about, see, and applaud. The Eddie Capra Mysteries. This is Eddie Capra. He solves murders. Webb. These are the people who pick the shows, plan the schedules. They work for a TV network, a web, and sometimes they get tangled up in it. Web, the show about making it in TV, does exactly that this fall. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? Except it wasn't. Every one of those new shows NBC was touting would be off the air by January. In most cases, those shows didn't last until November. In fact, out of all the new shows NBC rolled out that fall, only one, Different Strokes, which was a replacement for the Waverly Wonders, would end up lasting more than one season. With the schedule in shambles by January, Silverman needed something to fill in the holes in the NBC schedule. And he needed it fast. And even though it wasn't supposed to be on the schedule until next year... NBC put Super Train on the fast track to get it on the air by February. Now, if you're not familiar with what Super Train was about, it tells the adventures of people riding a giant luxury atomic-powered train that would take people between New York and Los Angeles in 36 hours. The show regulars were the people who worked on Super Train, the conductor, the porter, the engineer, etc. But the real stories were going on with the riders of Super Train. Each week was loaded up with guest stars who had adventures or they fell in love on their journey. And yes, there was a discotheque on board. After all, it was 1979. And Super Train was so disco, this was one of the three theme songs they used for it. The most common and probably lazy way to describe Super Train would be to call it Love Boat on a Train. Though not everyone agrees with that description. When you do hear people talk about it, oh, it was Love Boat on Wheels, it was Love Boat on Rails. And it really was not that those early episodes, I mean, when you look at the Love Boat, it's basically romantic comedy, there's a laugh track, but the first Super Train episodes, a lot of them are fairly dark. As I mentioned, that second in A Cup of Kindness 2 with Dick Van Dyke and Larry Linville is the takeoff of Hitchcock's, you know, Strangers on a Train, mm -hmm. where Dick Van Dyke plays this very dark character who agrees that he's going to kill Larry Linville's wife because they're going through marital problems and, you know, you'd be better off without her. So, again, there's it's really not, at least those first five of the nine, doesn't play very Love Boat at all. Now that is... Tony Cook, and I run the Super Train website. And Tony is a Super Train super fan. I watched Super Train when it first aired on NBC, which it first came on in February, early February of 79, and I would have been 12 years old. And my father has an interest in railroads and model trains, so it was just kind of one of those things that was, to a 12-year-old, so fascinating, this you know sleek, silver, atomic-powered, high-speed train running from New York to Los Angeles as a TV show that really caught my imagination. And I don't know why. I'm now in my early 50s, 
and I still have this soft spot for Super Train. But I think kind of typical of things as you were a kid that, you know, you look at it later and go, that was, you know, so ridiculous or that was so dumb. Yet at the time, I thought it was just the neatest thing ever. <laughs> and for me, Super Train is one of those things for some reason. Tony's been running the Super Train website since 2001. No, yeah, the, the Super Train website was one I think when I came across uh, the copies of the show finally because I had audio tapes from their broadcasts. Oh, okay. Now. If you're a real diehard, oh yeah, oh, if you're a real God. diehard Were, TV person, yeah, you yeah. put the cassette recorder up to oh, the yeah. television and you record your TV. Sh- yeah. I mean, this, yeah, of course, yeah. there was Betamax and there yeah. was VHS. But, you know, a kid mowing yards or on a paper route is not buying $25 T120s to feed his $1,000 RCA, you know, VHS unit in 1979. So, yeah, I had cassettes of the... And, you know, I always thought that was odd, but I've run into more TV people over the years that all confess that. That, oh, yeah, I recorded TV shows on audio tape. Like, oh, I thought I I was the only weirdo that did that. And now, yeah, everybody did that. So that, that I'm totally out of the closet now on audio taping TV shows. Yeah, that's that's an okay thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, I totally uh, did that. I totally did that. Yeah. yeah, so see, there you go. Everybody's in that club, and they never knew it. I think I saw one time Rosie O'Donnell on her old afternoon talk show in the 90s said that, and I about, you know, I was like, what? Oh, I don't believe it. But uh, that's where I first kind of was like, yeah, there are other people that did that. But I had those. I had some things from magazine articles at the time from some press that I got. I put the website out there. And a benefactor actually came forward, a person in Hollywood, sent me, contacted me, sent me money to, you know, pay for the bandwidth, keep the site up there, said, this has got to stay, this is so cool. And he, over the years, when he finds things and and such, has, you know, bought me different Super Train items and sent it for, to be included, you know, the posters and other things that, that have been found over the years. So there are other people out there, you know, with an interest as well. And it's surprising the people that have, oh my gosh, this is so cool, I remember this show, or I can't believe anybody has anything about it, that, again, it's one of those that, it's, I guess it's so bad or so notorious that I frequently get a lot of emails of, wow, this is so neat. I never knew all this about the show. So it's kind of cool. And as you can see, he does not care for that Love Boat comparison. But for the nine episodes of Super Train that aired, it changed its tone and cast members so much that in the end, it did kind of feel like Love Boat by the time it was finished. Now when it comes back for those last, what, four episodes very much so it starts to turn that corner and tries to be more that but again always being tweaked and changed that if you look for nine episodes there's the first five then when it does come back as the new super train we still don't have the two new cast members yet and then they only make it a couple episodes and then the last one we get a laugh track i mean it almost each one is wait a minute let's tinker with it a little bit more or okay let's tweak it here a little bit more that almost every episode seems another step in a slightly different direction one of the things that super train is best known for is the high price tag it cost to make the show money that was spent mainly on model trains and as for how expensive those trains were five million dollars on two sets of models that operated of two different scales. One was like three quarters of an inch to a foot. There was another one that was bigger and ran outdoors in Southern California for runbys at night and out in the desert that had 3,000 feet of track that it could run on. 
Uh, and it's the one that famously they say when they brought the NBC executives out to show it, it crashed on its first run and ended up in a pile. Yes, the train crashed in a big, expensive heap. And just for comparison's sake, $5 million in 1979 is a little over $18 million in 2018. Once the pilot was finished, NBC was convinced they had a winner. Something to turn around the season and turn around the network. In the weeks leading up to the Super Train premiere on February 7th, they hyped the hell out of it. NBC actually bought ads on, like, the other networks didn't accept them, like ABC and CBS, but I can remember, like, our local independent channels, I was in the St. Louis market as a kid, had ads for Super Train, which seemed odd to see, you know, a network buying ads on other TV stations. One of the things that people who actually remember this show recall is the nonstop ads NBC ran for that premiere. The two-hour premiere of Super Train. Loaded with mystery. I think somebody's trying to kill me. Filled with fun. When how long do you think you'll be able to stay down? And packed with action. Super Train. Catch it. Tonight, followed by Quincy on the new NBC. And so, with as much hype and fanfare as NBC could muster, Super Train made its debut on February 7th, 1979. The ratings for the two-hour pilot, which featured Steve Lawrence as its big guest star, was actually pretty good. It finished in 17th that week. But it was all downhill from there. Critics hated it, and the ratings plummeted. Five episodes in, and Super Train is pulled from the schedule. They get five episodes done and pull the show, And at that point, NBC ends up preempting and running other things for a month or two while they retool it. Anytime a show goes in for retooling, that's almost always code for, you're never going to see this again or we're going to dump it in July and August and it's over. Super Train comes back revitalized with new cast members added, old cast members dropped, and nothing changes. The ratings are still dismal and Super Train airs its final original episode on May 5th, 1979. It finishes 69th out of the 114 shows that aired for that season. NBC's entire season is a bust. For the 78-79 season, they finish with zero shows in the top 10 and one show, Little House on the Prairie, in the top 20. And Super Train goes down in the annals of TV history as a major flop. It is in everybody's vernacular as a major flop. I mean, in in fact, anytime anything bad happens to NBC, anything, something's talked about network TV, you'll see some joking post of, oh, I bet they bring back Super Train. So what happened? How did the can't-miss show miss so badly? Let's not forget that this was a TV series that was rushed into production. You know, the rush of the production is crazy. Some of the notes and things, basically, they're still shooting that first episode into late January and it comes on February 7th and then they only get a few episodes done and they revamp it so how quick a turnaround did that take that they basically throw everything overboard after five episodes and start fresh so it had to have been just crazy I think it was Harrison Page or maybe Joy Oresco that essentially said you never knew from one day to the next that it was just that you know what's going to happen next to try to change or tinker with it more When I asked Tony what he thought the issue was, he said something I wouldn't have thought of. Maybe an issue was simply being on NBC itself. I mean, dead last at the time, if you look at that 78-79 season, um, 
there's no NBC programs in the top ten. I think the best thing NBC was hitting, oh, about that time, Little House on the Prairie, and it was like in the top 15. Uh, there was just nothing, nowhere. In fact, it's a, it's an interesting thing. If you look at the guest stars on the various Super Train episodes, there's nobody from NBC shows because there were no NBC shows. Like, well, who's going to be the guest from what NBC show that anyone would recognize? Probably the best list of guests is that Pirouette episode with Joyce DeWitt. That's ABC 3's company. Isabel Sanford, CBS at Jefferson's. Bernie Capel from Love Boat, ABC. Vic Tabak from Alice on CBS. Jamie Farr from MASH on CBS. Again, who are you going to get from NBC? And it should be noted that the makers of Super Train at one point did have much higher aspirations for the level of guest stars they could get. Hail to the Chief is about a presidential candidate on his way across country on Super Train on election night, as if a candidate would be on a train on election night. But anyway, so Roy Thines from, what, the Invaders in the late 60s, he's the co-pilot that gets sucked out of the plane at Airport 75. He is J.J. something, I can't think of his last name, is about to be president, but lo and behold, he has a twin brother that no one knew about, and they're going to switch the two of them, because apparently Roy Thines is the guy that's about to be president is a bad guy. This other guy's a good guy, so they're going to kidnap and chain, you know, that typical like that would work. Anyways, the list from the production assistant, the first name on the list is Paul Newman, is who they wanted. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I can't imagine, like, and what budget would they have, what would you have had to pay Paul Newman to do an episode of Super Train? Now let's address some of those legends about Super Train. There's a legend out there that says that Super Train was so costly, after all, they spent $5 million on the train sets alone, that it, along with the loss of money from the 1980 Olympics, helped to almost bankrupt NBC. You know, I've, I've heard that story too. And, you know, NBC had the deal for the Moscow Olympics for 1980. And we pulled out because the Soviets went into Afghanistan at Christmas of 79. So the U.S. backed out, and then NBC was left. But again, the Olympics, that was, I think, Lloyd's of London. There was a policy on a, on all of it. So while they didn't get the exposure that, you know, you're basically running the Olympics so you can plug things like Super Train, uh, they never got that. But I don't think it was that huge a loss for NBC. And the, the things I've seen on Super Train... I mean, it was the models themselves and the sets were about five million. They certainly weren't spending a lot of money on guest stars. I think because of the compressed nature of the production, a lot of these people, I don't think they could get them lined up. Uh, so I don't think there was a lot of money spent there. In fact, that production book I have, it's surprising how many people were working for like thirty-five hundred dollars for the episode or five grand. It's really not. I think that's an exaggerated credit that super train nearly pulled nbc down i i don't think that i don't think so i think that's just kind of one of those the the legend that it's become it gets some of that credit okay so we'll scratch that one off the list what about the story of fred silverman visiting the set and kicking one of the trains and breaking his toe (laughs) yes and i don't know if that i don't know if that's true that one i can actually confirm or rather silverman himself did confirm here he is talking about it in an interview with the Television Academy Foundation from 2008. I kicked the locomotive and nobody told me that it was cast iron and cracked my toe. 
I mean, they build a, a locomotive with, uh, you know, out of cast iron. I'll show you. I mean, it could have been paper for all the audience cared. Silverman, by the way, would never turn around NBC. They remained in last place for the three years while he was president. He was fired in 1981. Not everything he did was bad, though. He did make the series commitments for Cheers and St. Elsewhere before he got the boot. He revitalized the news division. And maybe most significantly, he did reintroduce the Peacock logo that NBC has used since then. It may not be surprising that it was never released on DVD. But consider that Pink Lady, or Pink Lady and Jeff, another notorious bomb from the Fred Silverman NBC era, did get a DVD release, and it kind of makes you wonder. Well, I have a copy of it, Dan. <laughs> well, of course you would have a copy of it. Of course you would. Yeah. I mean, okay. That's, 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 an, that's, an, that's a gem from the NBC years. In fact, when that got announced, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Maybe I need to buy, t- I need to buy two in case I wear them out. Super Train has basically vanished since 1979, though it did air a couple of other times. And to my knowledge, over the years, Lifetime in the late 80s ran the two-hour movie once, and the Caribbean, some Caribbean cable channel had the, had the show and ran it for whatever reason in the 1980s as well. And that's where most of the bootleg copies that have surfaced over the years have come from there and other than that you know it's been out of it's basically gone i know they they donated a couple of episodes to the i think museum of television in los angeles i spoke to i spoke to someone at universal a couple of years ago because that's you know it nbc and universal are together now and they went looking and i think they only basically came up with the pilot So it may not even be possible to get it released on DVD. That's the real crime here. Now, I can tell you that as of this recording in June of 2018, that eight of the nine episodes of Super Train are available on YouTube. And the final legend of Super Train that should be addressed. Is this really the worst show of all time or one of the worst shows of all time? Now, that's obviously a subjective question. And I think we know where Tony stands on this issue. You know, it, it is, it's late 70s television. I mean, I've seen all nine episodes of Super Train, I don't know how many times over the years. And yeah, a lot of it's pretty cringe-inducing, but it's no worse than most of the other stuff, that, even stuff that was big. I mean, you look at like Dukes of Hazard or other things that was on at the time, and I don't think Super Train is really, it doesn't stand out as, wow, this is, you know, shockingly bad. It's kind of in there with everything else. I think it's more plagued with high-profile launch, all the money it took, and then failed so quickly that it's just saddled with all those negatives that it's hard to climb out from under. But it, in a lot of you know, it's really again no, it's no worse, no better than other failures of the time. Be it like the cliffhangers show that NBC tried about that same time. Or, you know, Battlestar and ABC, there's a big high-profile, oh, that's a, a knockoff of Star Wars? That's going to run forever, right? It's like, no, they couldn't keep it on for more than a season. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think Super Train is not judged harshly, but it's just not, it's not as bad as, as many would think. Personally, I had never watched Super Train until researching this episode. I knew of its reputation as one of the worst shows of all time and what a costly flop it was. However, after watching a few episodes on YouTube, 
I have to say, they were fairly ridiculous. Like the Hail to the Chief episode they wanted Paul Newman for. On this week's Super Train Mystery, Hail to the Chief. Two dwarfs and a magician replace a presidential candidate with a double so real, even his wife can't tell. JJ, all I want to do right now is go to On Super Train. But they were also very entertaining. Take the pilot episode, for example, Express to Terror. It starts out with a group of rich guys at a board meeting. There's an old guy at the head of the meeting prattling on about the company's new endeavor, this amazing luxury train. An atom-powered steam turbine machine capable of crossing this country in 36 hours. And coupling that locomotive to the most luxurious, most comfortable best-served train of coaches ever designed. One objector, because there's always at least one, stands up and, uh, well, he objects. You know what I think, Winfield. You're letting your psychotic fascination with railroads lead you into a suicidal gamble with the future of this company. The old man is undaunted. So you think it's a gamble, do you? And unveils a painting of his new train. I give you... Super Train! Everyone gasps, and we cut to the real Super Train. Cue the disco music as we show the train workers getting ready for the first ride. Honestly, that alone is far better than anything I've ever seen on the love boat. Thank you for checking out this episode of The Industry. Special thanks to my guest, Tony Cook. If you want to know more about Super Train, head on over to Tony's website at NBC underscore supertrain.tripod.com. Basically, every question that you possibly have about Super Train will probably be answered on this website. Music in today's episode was by the Rondo Brothers, Silent Partner, Diamond Ortiz, and Gunnar Olsen. The Super Train theme song is by Bob Cobert. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please tell a friend or six and let them know that the industry is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and most other podcast apps. I hope you enjoyed another story about the things that went on in the industry. Good night. Okay, one more thing. This is the final episode in this first season of The Industry. If you've been enjoying these episodes, I'm going to ask you for a favor. Now, don't worry because this has nothing to do with money. But if you've liked these episodes and you've enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about it or your enemies or anyone you know who likes podcasts. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help get a podcast noticed. And since we're operating here with a zero budget, it would really help to make a huge difference. If you can, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And to those of you who have already done this, thank you. I'm now going back to make more episodes, so be sure to stay subscribed. We'll be back before you know it.